I'll tell you what I'm thankful for. I'm thankful for the fact that Billy Wayne could stand before us and lead singing this morning. That is a lot of answered prayers on his behalf just to be able to do that after his accident just a couple weeks ago. So for that, we definitely praise God. and We are very, very, very thankful for that. Uh, I'm, I guess I'm also thankful because I looked to the back and I realized that the battery and the clock is dead. So I got all the time in the world today, man. You know, when the clock goes dead for a preacher, that's a bad sign for everybody else. So just get comfy. I guess we're going to be here a little while since <laughs> the clock is working. Uh, you know, on a more serious note, uh, you know, sending thank you notes is, is kind of a, a tradition of the past in a lot of ways. In our more modern society, uh, we've grown very accustomed to just sending someone a quick thank you via text, and it's a nice thing to do. It's a very acceptable thing to do. But, but still, man, when somebody takes the time to sit down and to write out by hand a thank you note, put it in the mail to somebody, when you get that in the mail as opposed to getting a bill for that day, it feels good. I mean, it's just a nice feeling to get that kind of thank you. But there are some times when a gift is given that a simple thank you or even a, a kind thank you note, it just doesn't do it. It's just not adequate enough for whatever the gift is that we have been given. Now, a couple of weeks ago, you may remember we talked about Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha have been given an amazing gift. They were given their brother Lazarus back. Look, he didn't go away on vacation. He, did not, uh, he wasn't away serving a stint in the military. He was back from the grave. Okay, he, he was dead. For four days, Lazarus had been dead, wrapped up in burial clothing, in the tomb. Jesus got there. Jesus called his name. Probably had to be specific so all the dead people didn't come out of all the graves, right? He called Lazarus by name. Lazarus came out of that tomb. He went from death to life just like that. And just like that, all of the grief that consumed Mary and Martha was gone because they were given an amazing gift. Time. They had more time with Lazarus. More time to make memories. More time to sit down and eat together. More time to talk together. More time to laugh and cry together. Just more time to be with one another. Can you imagine a more splendid gift than that? So how do you say thank you when you receive a gift like that? That's what we're going to be looking at today in just a few moments. But before we get into their story, I want us to understand that their story is very applicable to our own. Especially those of us who are children of God's. Because all of us, as children of God's, have been given an amazing gift. While we weren't dead physically, we were dead spiritually. Sometimes, unfortunately, over the course of time, we tend to forget that. Or we act as if we never were, but we were. We were lost at one point in our life. We were spiritually dead. And Jesus Christ came from heaven above to be the sacrifice, to be the gift that would make eternal life possible. To make it possible to bridge the gap between us and God. To, to restore us to a right relationship with Him. And with that, oh man, the amazing blessings that come with being in Christ, 
are absolutely mind-boggling. So many gifts in and of themselves. I mean, when you, are, when you are in Christ, you have this right relationship, a personal relationship with the very Creator of the universe. When you have this right relationship with God, He adds you to His family, the church. I mean, some amazing blessings here. And on top of all of this, the promises offered to us are actually sealed by the Holy Spirit. It's a promise by the Holy Spirit from God above that that He will will see us from here to there. Our home, our real home. Not here on earth, but our heavenly home. That, That one day we can be in the very presence of God the Father for all eternity us and everyone else all the other faithful children of gods who've gone on before us and you know what's going to happen when we get there among other things we're not going to be sitting around anymore worrying about our aches and our pains and our woes all those things will be gone we're no longer going to sit around consumed by the sorrow and the heartbreak of this world because it will be no more are you starting to kind of understand i'm talking about when you are in christ you have been given the most amazing gift that mankind has ever known You have been given the gift of life everlasting. You have been given eternal life. How do you say thank you to that? The Apostle Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he would word it this way. In Ephesians chapter 2, there beginning of verse 1, he says, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked. You were dead. You were dead in your sins. Then if you go down to verse 4, two very powerful words there to begin verse 4. But God. Those are two very encouraging words right there. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. How do you say thank you to that? You see, this is where I think we can learn an awful lot from Mary and Martha. Because Mary and Martha, they wanted to show their appreciation. They wanted to show their love for Jesus and and for what He had done for them. They wanted to celebrate it in a very public way. Let's go back to our text in John chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. It says six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. Okay. We want to, show a, we want to throw a dinner party. We want to show Jesus how much we appreciate what he's done for him. So we're going to throw a supper for Jesus just to honor Him and to recognize Him. And it's going to be something that, it's not just going to be a couple of us there. It's going to become a pretty public event. So much so that a lot of the Jews are going to just kind of show up to come see what all is happening. Specifically to see this man named Lazarus, who they all knew was dead and is now alive. If you go down to verse 9, there it says, When the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came. Not only on account of Him, but also to see Lazarus, whom He had raised. Whom He had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well. Okay, so we have this huge public gathering. 
And by having this huge public gathering to show our appreciation for Jesus, we're putting ourselves at risk. That's what's happening here. They're going to put themselves at risk because they know that not everybody loves and appreciates Jesus as much as they do. So much so that as they're putting themselves at risk, Lazarus himself, the very one they had just gotten back, now his life is at risk once more. Now they, they want to take Lazarus out. And why is that? Well, it can be risky to honor Jesus in public. Even today, it can be risky for us to be public about our faith in Christ. For some people, for some people they lose relationships with people they love very much because one chooses Jesus over the other. For others, they may lose position or opportunity within their company or at their job. They may even lose their job if they're very vocal about their belief and their faith in Christ Jesus. In other places around this world of ours, there are people today who are literally putting their life on the line just to gather and worship as we are today. Because if there are those who find out about their belief in Jesus, they could be put to death. So there are always those who would say, you know, the safe thing when it comes to your faith is keep it to yourself. You don't need to be real loud about your faith at work and don't be real loud about your faith at school and, and don't be real loud about your faith with family members and friends that you might know disagree with you. Just kind of keep it to yourself. You, know? you don't want any of those things to happen to you. But people like Mary and Martha, people like so many of us whose life has been so touched by Jesus, where we really understand the impact that He has had on our life, we can't be silent, can we? We can't just keep it to ourselves. We can't not share it with others. We can't proclaim our love for Christ. No matter the consequences, no matter the loss. We're very open, very public about our love and our appreciation for Jesus Christ. Let's look at verse 10 again and verse 11. It says, So the chief priest made plans to put Lazarus to death as well. Why? Because on account of him, many of the Jews are going away and believing in Jesus. So there are people showing up to this party. Non-believers. They show up to this party though and they see Jesus, they hear Jesus, but then they also see Lazarus. A man they knew was dead. A man, maybe some of them attended the funeral. And here he is sitting at the table with Jesus eating dinner. Now buddy, when you transform somebody's life from death to life, you, you better believe that's someone who's worthy to listen to. That's someone who's worthy to be followed. That's someone who's worthy to put your faith into. And, and when we ask ourselves, how do we show our appreciation? I think by living a transformed life is one way that we show our, our thanks. By living a life that is so different, that is so transformed, that it is evident to everyone around us, those outside of Christ as much as those in Christ, 
that we're not who we used to be. That there's something different about us now. That we don't act the way we used to act. We don't speak the way we used to speak. We don't think the way we used to think. And how is that possible were it not for the grace and the power of God? And by living that transformed life, that's just one way for us to say thank you. But I think another way for us to say thank you is by serving. Let's go back to John 12 and verse 2. Two words there, very short sentence. Martha served. Now something tells me an awful lot went into that little sentence. I would imagine maybe Martha planned the meal. Maybe Martha went to buy the groceries. Maybe Martha cooked it all. Maybe Martha served it all. Maybe Martha cleaned up everything afterwards. Maybe Martha made all the preparations that went into getting the the event place ready for all the people to come for this little get-together to honor Jesus. Yeah, Martha served. (laughs) There's an awful lot that goes into serving. It seems as though Martha was somebody who probably had the gift of, of hospitality. She was somebody who who probably liked to to plan the event, you know, and to to make all the plans and make sure everything was just right. And now we know, we know there was at least on one occasion where maybe she lost sight of the big picture uh, in an effort to serve. But I don't think that's the case here. I think as she's trying to show her appreciation of what Jesus has done for her and the time He's given her back with Lazarus, she's trying to say thank you by serving. I think as children of God's, we should be servants. I think as children of God's, we should be a people who are always looking to use the talents that God has given us in a way that we're serving other people and glorifying our Father above. So let me ask you, how how are you using the talents that God has given you? Talents, gifts, whatever you want to call them. How are you using them to further the cause of Christ? How are you using them to glorify Him? Or do you just use the talents He's given you for your own self? For your own life? A truly thankful person will look for opportunities to use the gifts that God has given them. Find those opportunities to serve. Now Mary, Mary wanted to serve too. She wanted to say thank you, but in a different way. In her own way. With that, we come over to verse 3. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped His feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Listen, this isn't the kind of perfume that you would get at Walmart. Okay, This is really, really expensive perfume. As a matter of fact, this perfume, this perfume would have cost the average person then one year's salary. So think about that just for a moment. Let that sink in. Whatever your most recent year's salary is, think about spending it on one solitary thing, and now you're about to give it all to Jesus. Because that's what we're about to see here with Mary. That's exactly what she does. She's, so, she's just so overwhelmed to have her brother back. She just loves Jesus so much. She's just so thankful. You know what you don't see though? You don't, you don't see her coming along and saying... How much should I really give him? Maybe I could just like wipe the top of the bottle on his feet or something, you know? I mean, because this stuff's expensive. People are going to think I'm nuts <laughs> if I go just give him all of this right now. 
Maybe I could do the, the, the minimum. What would be the minimum? And, and it would still be appreciated. No. That's not what you see with Mary. With Mary, you see someone who's so overwhelmed by her appreciation, she is compelled to give all that she can and more. Because she loves and appreciates Jesus so very much. And I think for those of us who are in Christ, if we are truly overwhelmed by the blessings that are found in Jesus Christ, if we're truly overwhelmed by all that He has done for us, then, then we're not a people who are going around asking, what is the, what's the least of myself I can give? Or, or how much more do I have to give? No. We become a people that says, how can I give more of myself? How, how can I give more of my of my finances? How can I give more of my talents? How can I give more of my time? How can I give more of myself to Jesus? How can I, how can I give more of myself to He who has given me absolutely everything? Now, old Judas, he's not impressed by the generosity of Mary. Verses 4 and 5 says, But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he who was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? There you go, 300 denarii. That would be about a year's salary, okay? Why wasn't this sold and given to the poor? Now, on the surface, that may seem like an okay question. On the surface, you may go, You know what? I agree. That, that seems like a real waste because there are a lot of folks out there who could really use this for a lot of other things. Well, the first thing and the most important thing is to understand the poor were not Judas's motivation. <laughs> Jesus knew that. John would go on to record, he said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Jesus said, leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. Jesus wasn't going to be there forever. Their time to be with Him, it was running short. Truth be told, our days to serve Him and to worship Him here on earth, to live a life of thanksgiving, those days are numbered. And those days are also running short. So how will we live our life in such a way that we live it with a generous spirit like Mary had or like Martha had? Or will we live it in a spirit of deception like Judas you know what Judas is doing here is he's trying to mask his own sin. He's trying to mask his own greed uh, under this idea of, well, I just don't want to waste anything. And we do that too sometimes, if we're truthful. It sounds really good to say, well, I don't want to be wasteful. You know, I, I would give to that charity, but uh, I think they pay their administrators far too much. So I don't want to waste my money. You know, I would give more back to the church. I'd give more back to God. But years and years ago, the elders made a decision I didn't like, so 
I'm not going to waste my money. That, that person on the street, that, that homeless person, yeah, I see them. But you know what? I know if I give them any money, they're just going to spend it on drugs and alcohol. So I'm not going to waste my money. Sounds good, doesn't it? But sometimes it's not always the truth. Jesus sees through our excuses. He knows our heart. He knows that oftentimes we're just trying to cover up our own sin of greed. Now, should we be careful with that which we have? Yeah. I believe that we should be good stewards. God makes that very clear in His Word. We should absolutely be good stewards of all that He's given us. But, we also don't want to be stingy. We also don't want to be a greedy people. We also don't want to be a people that ourselves become dependent on the things of this earth. If we're going to err, let's err on the side of being too generous. Let's err on the side of being too generous because we are just so absolutely thankful for all that Christ has done for us, so overwhelmed by all the gifts He's given to us that, that we, just, we just want to give and we want to give of ourselves. And that's never a waste. Absolutely never a waste. So, what will you do this week to say thank you? I know. I know. Uh, this week, uh, I'll come to the occasional church service. This week, I'll try to be a little bit nicer to people. I won't be so rude to the waiter at the restaurant. This week, I'll, well, I'll make sure to give God a, a little bit more from my leftovers after I've done everything else that I want to do in this world. Or, maybe, maybe God needs and deserves a lot better than that. Maybe, maybe our hearts and our lives become touched convicted because we understand the gift that's been given to us in Jesus and in turn we want to live a life of appreciation we want to live a life of gratitude because we're just so overwhelmed for man he gave his life so that I could have the hope of life everlasting and if, if that if that promise, if that reality does not change your life and change the way you live, nothing probably will. So that's up to you. Will your life be a reflection of how thankful you are to God this week? If you're with us this morning, you've never obeyed the Gospel of Jesus Christ, I tell you, that's where this hope begins. If you've never surrendered your life, been baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, the water's ready if you are. Or maybe as a child of God's, you sit here and you know, for whatever the reason, you know you have not been living as a thankful child of God's should live. Maybe you've become discouraged. Maybe you've become distraught. Life can just be so hard sometimes and life can throw you so many different curveballs sometimes that it becomes far too easy for us to lose sight of the promise of life everlasting because all we can see is the misery right around us. 
Look beyond the misery around you. There's still a hope. That's a promise, by the way. The biblical use of the word hope is a promise. It's not like we oftentimes use it and say, well, I hope it don't rain today. And there's kind of like this 50-50 chance. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. That's not biblical hope. Biblical hope is an assurity. It is a promise. It is something that God says will happen. And God promises us there is something so much better than this life. And when you understand that, then, and probably only then, will you be able to live a thankful life. If we can help you with that in any way, or any need you might have, won't you come as we stand and sing?